Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad. The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone, and welcome to It Could Happen Here. I'm Andrew of the YouTube channel, Andrewism. And today I want to talk about the squatting movement. Actually, before I do that, I'm joined today by my co-hosts. Your co-hosts, Andrew, are Garrison Davis and James Stout, and I am your producer, Sophie, and I am here. Andrew, please continue. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. I want to talk about the squatting movement, and particularly how people have overcome the inanities of privatizing land and restricting people's access to it, so they could carve a life for themselves um, in this troubling world. Now, I think a lot of people are at least passingly familiar with the squatting movement, the political squatting movements, where be it anarchist, autonomist, or socialist in nature that have taken place in Italy, the US, and most famously Denmark, where they had, you know, Freetown Christiania set up. But outside of the global north, in much of the rest of the world, squatting is just a fact of life. 
It doesn't typically, though sometimes it does, have radical political ambitions. So today I'm not going to be spending time discussing the squatting movement in Europe or North America, but instead discussing the millions of people in the world who lack access to land where they can find secure shelter and have turned to what has been deemed informal occupation or squatting to find residence. More specifically, I'll be discussing the Caribbean. But first, I need to get into some statistics. It's always that kind of word, right? In 1950, only 86 cities around the world had populations of 1 million people or more. And in 2016, there were just over 600 cities that met this threshold. Over half of the world's population now lives in urban areas. And nearly a billion, if not a billion, are estimated to be living in informal settlements, mostly in the urban and peri-urban areas of less developed countries. I don't know if any of you have read Planet of the Slums by Mike Davis. I think I have. But he, he discusses this phenomenon, this explosion in urbanization. And the fact that, unfortunately, you know, these cities aren't exactly urban Edens. They are deeply impoverished, filled with um, makeshift and often unsafe, whether it be, you know, poisonous or just poorly constructed or disease-ridden dwellings. Areas such as Beirut's Quarantina, Mexico City's Santa Cruz, Mejahualco, Rio de Janeiro's Favelas, and Cairo's City of the Dead, where up to one million people live in homes made out of actual tombs. Now, Davis addresses the issue's root cause, that being post-colonial neoliberal policies driven by free market capitalist principles. You see, as cities modernized in the wake of the colonial era, a lot of the same zoning boundaries enforced by imperial powers across racial and socioeconomic lines were continued. So-called decolonization did not really take place. Ended imperial rule didn't lead to a magical increase in equality or egalitarianism. It's just that post-colonial rulers took up the mantle where colonial rulers left. So, and of course, this switch, this changing of hands of power was kept up by the International Monetary Fund, which stepped in on behalf of these elites and pushed the poorest citizens basically into thickly concentrated slums by making it easier for the ruling class to ignore these issues and prioritize the affluent. The debt restructuring policies in the 1980s also led to a lot of governments cutting down on their public health and education investment expenditure so that they could repay the loans that they had been forced to take out. Davis spends a lot of time talking about Asia and some time talking about the increasing hardship in African cities. But the situation of squatting is often overlooked in the Caribbean. And so I'd like to draw some attention to that. I think that um, anyone who has lived in the Caribbean or has family in the Caribbean would be somewhat familiar with the idea of family land, which is this idea that, you know, you have these plots 
that the family essentially owns collectively. There may be somebody living there, or it may just be land that is being passed along for anyone who needs it. Um, a lot of this land was acquired by purchase, and a lot of it was acquired by squatting. In Trinidad, in Jamaica, in Puerto Rico, in Martinique, in Barbados, squatting was how a lot of recently emancipated people gained some foothold uh, to live. Now they could not stay on the plantation system. Now the early squatting movement was largely wiped out by the growing plantation system. Um, but eventually, a new squatting movement would arise due to escaped slaves and maroons and post-indentured individuals who would resettle um, on those regions that were previously wiped out um, by the plantation system. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to spend most of the focus of this episode discussing what took place in Jamaica because um, I discovered this really excellent research paper done by Professor Jean Besson. But Jamaica is really quite an interesting example because Jamaica is one of the few Caribbean countries that had a successful, sustained maroon movement that lasted into the 21st century. And so what happened, as is the case with a lot of these colonies, is you have this uh, sitting model of land ownership called crown land. Um, basically, all the land that the crown deemed themselves to own by virtue of colonizing these places. Crown land would often be, you know, parceled out when they want to attract new colonists to the different colonies. And so enslaved people in Jamaica created these squatter settlements on crown land, basically recaptured that land and created villages and communities um, in as maroons in that context of colonial violence. And of course, these governments would demolish the squatter settlements and try to evict land capture. But in Jamaica, the Maroons succeeded, particularly the Leeward Maroons, as they were two different groups, the Windward Maroons and the Leeward Maroons, and that's a whole different history. Today, Akampong Village is the only surviving village for the Jamaican Leeward Maroons, and is also the oldest persistent Maroon society in African America. After the enslaved Africans and Creoles escaped the plantations and squatted crown land, they waged successful guerrilla warfare against the British colonists in the First Maroon War under the leadership of Colonel Kujo. And that land would be the basis of two leeward maroon villages, that being 
Cujo's town in St. James, and Akampong's town in St. Elizabeth. Akampong being named after Cujo's brother-in-arms, Captain Akampong. Eventually, uh, Cujo's town would be renamed Trelawney Town after the treaty between the British governor would grant the Maroons their freedom and 1,500 acres of legal freehold land. Akampong Town, on the other hand, did not really get any legal recognition until a land grant was given to them to some 2,559 acres around 1758. A couple decades later, between 1795 and 1796, the Second Maroon War would be fought between the Trelawney Town Maroons and the British colonists. Because, of course, the British did what they would do and whipped two of the Maroons for the theft of pigs in Montego Bay. Of course, this is just the inciting incident, as these things tend to be, for the deeper discontent regarding access to the land. And after this second Maroon War, the Trelawney Maroons ended up being deported to Nova Scotia. So for those a bit familiar with, you know, Canadian history, the Maroons were moved to and resettled in Canada. As a result of this, and the Trelawney Town Maroons' land being confiscated, Akampong Town became the sole surviving village. And today, it remains common treaty town. It is owned in common by the some, I believe it's like just over 3,000 adults, all of which, by the way, claim descent from Colonel Kujo. And they sort of have a mixed settlement producing for household use, rearing livestock, utilizing the forest for medicines and timber, um, cultivating food forests and provision grounds. And even after members of the community would migrate, they would still have that connection to their commons and often return to either live or visit. Chaloni Town, on the other hand, after being recaptured by the crown, it was eventually purchased and transformed into family lands by the descendants of slaves planters, and maroons. And of course, squatting played a part in that development. Most recently in Latin America and the Caribbean, there's been a move by governments switching from a policy of trying to eradicate squatters and instead trying to give them title to their lands, either granting them or usually selling it to them in an effort to alleviate poverty. So they could use their house as, you know, collateral for business loans and that kind of thing. And that's basically what happened for Akampong Town and for Trelawney Town, where the captured land was surveyed and subdivided and put for sale. And so the squatters were able to purchase the land and the government was able to impose taxation on the people who lived on that land.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I, I spoke of squatting in the Caribbean and Latin America typically being not radically political, but there are 
political slash religious movements that have used squatting to gain a foothold. For example, the Revival Zion Movement, an offshoot of Rastafarian movements. If I'm, I honestly couldn't find much information about them, but they're an Afro-Jamaican religion slash cult. And so they managed to capture a lot of the land near Trelawney Town and would often settle their homes right behind the city council's no squatting signs. Eventually, you know, you have about 30 households who have basically recaptured their land from Babylon, as Rastafarians would describe the state. By 1995, um, their community, which they called Zion, became a very vibrant squatter settlement of some 70 house yards on about 30 acres of captured land. Eventually, the land was surveyed and subdivided, of course, trying to tax and control the people that were there. But the situation led to a lot of people still, you know, not being able to afford the land and still, of course, having to squat on the land that they lived on for so long. The difficulty with squatted land is that it's a very um, tenuous, very fragile state of being. The future is often uncertain and unclear. It's, it's more secure, I would say, than being like homeless, but you're still very much subject to state violence. Um, and even when so-called legal avenues are opened up to, for, you, for you to get the land you know, through purchase, the fact that you had to squat on the land in the first place should be some indication that you probably can't afford to buy land. But squatting enables people, at least in the interim, to potentially, you know, develop some funds and stuff until they are able to secure a future for their families. I think a lot of the liberal solutions to the issue of squatting and poverty is to replace these sorts of systems and put in instead like proper private property rights and giving these people private property so that they could achieve sustainable development goals and all the other buzzwords that, you know, these programs tend to use. I think the future of these kinds of projects, however, should be more along the lines of commons. I think that the fact that they were able to secure that land without the government's approval should be an indication that the government should not need to approve for people to live on the Ethiopia home. I spoke in a previous episode about Barbuda and their commons, and I really don't see why. I do see why, but I really believe the solution to these issues lies in reclaiming the commons, lies in rejecting these colonial and post-colonial governments, which base themselves on exclusion and illegality and bring about participatory local management of the land. 
by the people, for the people. And that's about it. Thanks, Andrew. That was very fascinating. Any any final thoughts, Gare, James? My yeah. final thought is that we have a live show. Oh, on wonderful. The, on the, yeah, just a thing I was thinking about as we talked about squatting. And for this one, you will be excluded unless you can pray the cost of entry uh, or work out how to not be excluded, I guess. But it's on the 26th of October. I nearly forgot what month it was. Uh, and you can buy tickets on the internet. Yeah, so we're doing this live stream October 26th, 6 p.m. It is a live virtual event, and you can get tickets at moment.co slash ICHH. We'll link that in the episode it'll, description. It'll be a fun, spooky themed live show. Woohoo! It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.